Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Pelicans. Your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. It's game day in New Orleans, and you're definitely in the right spot listening to Locked On Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'm also a writer for Bourbon Street Shots, where you can check out, get all the Pelicans stuff you need, uh, the analysis that's going to make you a smarter basketball fan overall. we got some great stuff up on the site right now. Today's podcast, we're going to definitely talk about the offense. You know, I'd just gotten off a plane from a bachelor party uh, yesterday when I recorded that. I had a bunch of thoughts on the offense after looking at some stats and numbers on on the different flights I had and I just wasn't really I was still a little hazy trying to piece it all together so it didn't come out as coherent as I would have liked today I'm going to dive right back in I'm going to talk about why this offense isn't working despite Anthony Davis playing exceptionally well uh, if, if there's a way to change it and fix it and make it a little bit better there's a few easy tweaks the Pelicans might be able to do that'll help them out but overall I'm, I'm quite worried about this offense going forward in the second half of the podcast, we're going to do the game preview for the Milwaukee Bucks who come to New Orleans, uh, play the Pelicans in the Smoothie King Center this Tuesday night. We'll give you where the Pelicans might succeed, uh, where they're going to struggle a little bit, what they're going to need to do to get their first win of the season. So I pointed out yesterday that the offense consists mainly of Anthony Davis doing his Anthony Davis things, and that's 45-point games, 50-point games with you know amazing plays in between, but it mainly consists of AD doing AD things and spot-up shooting. The Pelicans are, you know, shooting 19% overall from deep through these first three games, and it's not going to stay that way for forever. You know, they shot about 36% last season, so 19% is historically low. It's less than the league. There's no way it's going to stay at that. You know, I can promise you it's it's the old saying of it's going to revert to the mean. Um, But is this ceiling for these three-point shooters necessarily as high as it was last season? It it probably isn't. The team did lose Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, who were very good three-point shooters, who had high three-point shooting percentages. Uh, They've replaced him with each one more, whose stroke started to get a little bit better against the uh, Spurs, though he didn't have a great night shooting from deep. Uh, Langston Galloway career has never really shot under 30%. Uh, so it, that should improve. He's better in the corners than he is above the break. He's taking a few more above the break threes than you would like right now. But if the Pelicans can get him into the corner, uh, his shooting should improve. Um, so those are the two guys where, where you trust it'll happen. Uh, you've got to wonder about someone like Solomon Hill, who did show propensity to, to be a good shooter, especially from the corners as well, uh, at the end of the half or the second half of last season for the Pacers and in the playoffs, especially. And the Pelicans signed him, you know, to that 50, $52 million contract, depending on incentives, for this reason. They didn't just pay him that much money for defense. So, you know, he's a bit of an unknown right now, but he healed as as well. He's shown, you know, in in preseason that he can shoot quite well, that he can have good games. And then this year he's struggling, you know, from three so far. So eventually he'll get off the side. It'll start to click for him. When that'll happen, who knows? But the Pelicans aren't going to shoot 19% forever. I don't think their ceiling is going to be as high. Uh, as it was last year, but just in a hypothetical sense, bump it up to, say, 30%, which could be a realistic number for them to achieve kind of right, 
right away. It only is adding about five more points per game for the Pelicans, and that's certainly not going to get it done. But let's say the team's making their threes and the percentage is up around 36% like last season. Uh, Things are better, but there's still problems. This offense still relies way too much on spot-up shooting from deep. Even the Warriors, you know, a tremendous shooting team with guys like Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and the like, we can list every good player we don't need to, uh, doesn't mainly game plan around shooting from deep. Those open shots, other than the ones that Curry just takes when he's being ridiculous, are the result of a lot of work and ball movement and getting the ball down low and running pick and rolls, and it's kind of the last option. Here, the Pelicans, it's just kind of the first option for him. Pass the ball, get an open three-point shot, shoot it, and at times it's not really working. You know, shooting teams, if you rely too much on it, if you go cold, you're going to lose. There's no other way about it. At least the Warriors can win, and part of it has to do with how great their players are. Even if they're having an off-shooting night, the Warriors, not the Warriors, the Rockets, if they're having an off-shooting night, have other ways to score and be an effective offense. Here, the Pelicans, if they don't, you end up with games like what we saw for the first two of the season against Denver, against the Warriors, where AD goes absolutely Nova, and no one else can help them out because they're not making shots. You can't live and die by this uh, if you want to be a playoff team, and it's what the Pelicans are doing right now. Um, so right now, there it's 18.8% of their offense is spot-up shooting. 19% is isolation. And that 19% con- consists of actual isolation plays, according to Synergy on the NBA.com slash stats page, and along with post-up play, which Anthony Davis is doing a lot of this season, mainly because he's just the only guy that can score. Uh, you know, why the Pels are kind of going to this, let's round up and call it 40% of their offensive ISO and spot-up shooting. You know, maybe they're doing this because it's more about Davis playing well than the actual offense they need to run. They're not really running a ton of pick-and-roll right now, and as we know, Anthony Davis is an absolute monster in the pick-and-roll. And three games in, it's a small sample size, and it just shows you you can't use it to predict the future, but it's what they've done so far. So them running this not-quite-gentry system of iso ball with Davis and spot-up shooters around him uh, might be just because Anthony Davis is playing so damn well right now. But what if one of those, the three-point shooting as we've seen, or Anthony Davis goes kind of cold and fails during a game? Well, that's how you get to 0-3. Or if they both fail, it's really 0-1, the loss against the San Antonio Spurs. While Davis had a good game for him compared to the first two, it was rather pedestrian. I mean, if you look back on the Warriors game, on the Denver game, if they got any help from another guy or a guy and a half, they can win both those games, and maybe the Pelicans are looking at 2-1 versus 0-3. But other than, you know, asking for and hoping for regression to the mean for the deep shooting, and in this case it's not, like I said, you know, it's going to get them back to average, not taking them back down to average— I don't know if there's a way for this offense to necessarily change and improve. Yeah, they could run more pick and roll with Anthony Davis, but it's still kind of going to be that Davis-centric offense. And, you know, if teams are able to double or triple team him, which they probably are going to start doing, uh, you're still going to run into this problem if the three-point shot's not falling. Uh, So how does this offense change or improve? You know, we've seen Solomon Hill. You can't expect or even want him to do more on offense other than kind of be that spot-up shooter. Maybe using him off cuts, using him in pick and rolls as well could be a way to get him going. But I don't think that's likely. We kind of known how, you know, his style of play is, and it's not necessarily going to work there. Each one more is a shooter who can pass, you know, it's, it, when the ball hits his hand, it's not a black hole like it was for, say, Eric Gordon or Ryan Anderson, but he's not exceptionally gifted at getting to the rim. Uh, you know, I, I can go on and on about a lot of these guys, the ones we're seeing get a lot of minutes right now. 
you know, the best solution right now might be to give more minutes to a guy like Lance Stevenson. You're going to sacrifice some shooting, uh, but at least you get another kind of credible threat on the court. This is not the Lance Stevenson of old. This is not a guy that teams are game planning around. I know a lot of people on Twitter have really been hoping for that. He's kind of been the hot button guy for the Pelicans, but he is what he is. I think we kind of know what he is. He's, he's doing his job off the bench. He gets in there and he can play make a little bit, and that might be what the Pelicans need, so maybe they need to make him the first sub off the bench. I'm not necessarily going to advocate for him starting uh, to at least get him more minutes with Anthony Davis, though, and see if you know, that can put another threat on there, take some pressure off from Anthony Davis and just generate something else as opposed to the three-point shooting when Davis isn't the one scoring. But overall, none of these guys are going to take over a game. And I don't actually know if a ton of help is waiting in the wings. I know everyone says don't judge this team until Drew Holiday and Tyreek Evans comes out. And I'm not even going to throw in Quincy Pondexter. I know they've said the time frame recently on him, but he had missed all of last season. They're kind of, whatever he brings is Lanyap, you know. This isn't a guy you want to be, you know, the cavalry coming over the hill uh, to, to save this team. You don't know what you're going to get or what he's capable of right now. And the Pelicans are certainly going to not try and waste a good performance from him tonight. Uh, so looking to the Milwaukee preview, uh, coming to the Smoothie King Center, the Bucks are currently, I believe, uh, they're 1-2. and two. Uh, They're not looking too good. They have that huge injury uh, with Chris Middleton being out for at least probably six months. There's a good chance he's going to be out for the entire year, depending on where they're falling. Uh, you know, this this Bucks team overall is not great offensively. They're, they're kind of middle of the pack when it comes to defense. Both those things bode well uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and their front line, Anthony Davis should have a monster game tonight. Uh, Pelicans fans certainly should be expecting that and be hoping for it. Greg Monroe and Jabari Parker aren't a fearsome front court defensively. Uh, neither is uh, the other guy they've got up there. Mirza Teletovic, not a tremendous defender by any means. Uh, Davis should be able to kind of get what he wants inside. His post game has looked much better this season than it has in years past. And I'll have uh, more of an ability to show that off tonight. Uh, you know, he even if he's off and missing his shot, the Bucks aren't a great defensive rebounding team. So Davis will have a chance to go grab his own misses, get the putbacks. Omer Oshik, when he's in in the limited minutes, I'm expecting him to play, should be able to do that as well. Uh, other matchups are a bit of a worry for the Pelicans, uh, and they're going to have their hands full defending uh, Giannis. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name, playing point guard. Guy is 6'11", and uh, Tim Frazier is not really going to be able to handle him, leaving Solomon Hill most likely player to do it. It's then going to kind of create a ripple effect where then who's guarding Jabari Parker? Is that going to be Anthony Davis, or, or is it going to be... Uh, a guy like Dante Cunningham, who's seen his minutes increase. I'm assuming they're going to at least go with Cunningham and Hill and Davis in the same lineup. I don't know if you necessarily call that a small or big lineup here, uh, but they're going to go with uh, those three guys at certain points, kind of defending that that core group of guys for the Bucks. Where you know I would expect Hill on Giannis, just because there's no one else on the Pelicans who are going to do it. While Dante Cunningham does his best to slow down Jabari Parker, who's playing pretty well for this Bucks team. Uh, leaving Anthony Davis on Greg Monroe. Uh, I think it should work for the most part. You know, Jabari Parker's only scoring 13 points a game through the start of the year, the first three games. Uh, Cunningham should at least be able to handle it. 
Parker might score a little bit above his average, but you know it won't be the end of the world. Anthony Davis should be able to take care of Greg Monroe. If the Pelicans don't think that's really going to work or they want him on Parker, you do have Omer Oshik, who kind of thrives in this matchup where he is playing against a bigger, slower, you know, bulkier, bruising center in Greg Monroe. Uh, so that could be a good matchup for the Pelicans. Uh, with this, but don't expect to see Omer Ashik too much. I know Pels fans were booing him the other day, which was kind of sad to hear and see, but it is what it is. Um, the biggest question is going to be three-point shooting. The Bucks are not very good at defending the deep shot. Uh, and if it's starting to fall and the Pelicans get some luck their way and they're shooting above the 19% they've been shooting for the year, you know, they, they might not waste another Anthony Davis game. But if it's not falling, and again, there's no real reason to necessarily expect it to just yet. I think it'll be a little bit better. But the Pelicans aren't taking too many threes. And if you're not taking too many threes, you're certainly not going to make a lot of threes. Um, you could be looking at 0-4 if that's the case. We're certainly going to find out tonight if that's what happens. But this is a good matchup for the Pelicans. If they can slow down Giannis, they should really be okay. That's the biggest worry uh, for me when it comes to watching film of both of these two teams. So thank you for listening to another edition of Locked on Pelicans. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Also a writer for BourbonStreetShots.com, where I've got some work up now, along with a tremendous group of writers as well, bringing you everything you need to know on the Pelicans. Tomorrow I'll be back with you. We're going to definitely be breaking down what happened in the Bucks game, whether it was the Pelicans getting their first one of the year or sliding to 0-4. Why did it happen? What can we take away from it? That's probably going to be the majority of the podcast. We'll also have some you know other topics to cover as well well so enjoy the game tonight hopefully the pelicans get their first win of the season and i'll be back with you all tomorrow